0: Hi, I'm Pat Mahomes, former Major League Baseball player. You're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters Show.
1: We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind.
2: It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams.
0: On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered.
1: Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. My name is Gilbert Aron. Today I've got one of former Team Canada soccer players, Tom Kuzmanis, with me. I'm also going to have Nee Wallace-Bruce join us in a bit. But before we get right into that, I want to know how you doing today, Tommy.
2: I'm doing well. Thanks, Colby, for having me, and uh, and I'm looking forward to the interview.
1: It's a pleasure to have you on. Great to have you on. Looking forward to it, especially right now. You've got to be excited as a former Team Canada player how well Team Canada is playing.
2: I'm extremely extremely excited. You know, I'm uh, I'm elated. You know, with everything that's happened with this team. Uh, you know, ever since last summer when they were playing in the gold cup and the way they were playing, you can, you can see the signs of this team really coming together and, and, and really, you know, showing a front, uh, in terms of, you know, when they're competing against these, uh, teams like Mexico and the United States that, you know, traditionally in the past, you know, we would be very competitive with these teams. They always just had, that little bit of an edge compared to us. And um, to see this team kind of come from where they were at that gold cup and really showing those signs at that time where not only were they competing, but they were really just showing a front where they weren't going to be pushed around. They weren't going to be bullied around. And I think that that camaraderie and that confidence really spilled into this uh, final round of world cup qualifying. And it's just no surprise that they're, you know, first in their group, 11 games Seven wins, four draws, and the only unbeaten team. So they deserve to be where they're at at this stage. And it's an exciting time to be not just a soccer fan, but, uh, in my case as a, as a former player who's been through, through the grind of, uh, of playing for Canada at every single level. It, it's great to, to see what they're doing right now. It's, it's, uh, it makes me proud. And it's, um, it's, it's something that's, I just uh, hope that they continue this and they will eventually qualify for Qatar, it looks like, and and carry this momentum going into Qatar.
1: What do you think makes this team different? What is it? Is it is it the star player potential or is it something really beginning at the administration and working its way down?
2: I really think that it, it really starts uh, first and foremost right from the top. Uh, I, I think you have to give that kudos to, you know, uh, Nick Bontis, who's the the president of the Canadian Soccer Association, mm-hmm. Um I think the the people that he's got in there at this point implementing a, a strong leadership team, and um, you know, it, and then it, it filters down to the coaching staff and to who they have there in terms of their personnel, and and it's it's showing right now, it, you know, the the players on every single. Uh, generation of the national team we've always had really good quality players uh, throughout the generations but i would say that this team in terms of its depth uh, and its its strength is what is making this team what it is right now you know not to to make a knock on on the previous teams and obviously i was on on those previous teams but you would always have a very good strong core of of players on the team but then you know I, I think that where we kind of maybe, weren't as strong was the overall depth you know okay. if if you're looking at that that pool of players that we had to select from you know let's say 25 or 30 players uh, on a potential national team that you know we we had a very good strong base of you know 15 players let's say 20 players but then after that i i think it, it watered down a little bit whereas on this team here You know, not only do we have a strong, you know, let's say 22 players, but then when you look down the line, there are a lot of players who are not even on this team who could potentially be on this team, you know, in, in the years to come, um, where they're, they're fighting and they're, and they're playing, uh, for a spot on this national team. And I think when you look at the development of our, you know, our CPL league, that there's a lot of players there. Who are uh, former national team players who are trying to get back on the team or the young and upcoming players who are looking to, to get a spot that I think that it creates that healthy competitive atmosphere. And I, and I think that when you have a deeper pool of players who are that strong, it just makes things a lot stronger when you're looking at this team. And, and I think that that's, that's, you know, to sum it up in a nutshell, what, where we're at with this team is that we just have. Uh, you know, a, a great group of players right across the board.
1: So, really, basically, what you're saying is leadership and depth, and that depth creates enough competition to, to sort of raise the the level of play overall.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: We've got Nee with us now, and nah, he has it going.
0: I'm good, Kobe, and I'm I'm glad that we're talking some Round Bowl today. You know how much I love Round Bowl as much as you do, and we've got a legend of the game in Tommy K. Thank you. Tommy Thank you, So, Tommy, it's a pleasure to have you on. This is, a, this is a great time to be a fan. And I heard what you got, what you two were discussing before. And honestly, as you can tell, I have an accent. I, I grew up in Australia. <laughs> what I'm seeing with this 2022 generation with the men's team is exactly what I saw with the Australian team leading up to 2006. They've, there's a pool of players coming through right now that are going to be going to World Cups, not just this time. Obviously, the next one's automatic qualification. The one after that as well. Canadians, would you agree that Canadians need to start getting used to the idea of the men's team qualifying for World Cups now?
2: Um, I believe so. Yes, I mean, why not? Uh, this is, you know, when you look at even in the CONCACAF region, you're always going to have, you know, uh, certain teams who are going to be that generational team. You know, in in the past, we've seen the likes of, and I'm just giving examples. You know, Jamaica has has gone to a world cup trinidad and tobago has qualified you know honduras has has made it uh you know at times you know we've got this panama team where panama traditionally in CONCACAF was not really a a team that would make even the the final eight but here they are competing in those final four spots so you're always going to have that generational team so someone might argue that maybe this is canada's generational team that they might have this period of you know maybe 10 or 12 years and then what do they have in terms of down the pipeline years to come that's an answer that we don't know but i think that what we are seeing right now and it's something that i've always argued about with or kind of advocated about in the past that we are a nation that we've got so much multiculturalism you know we're athletic uh In a variety of sports and let's just center around soccer we've got a lot of good quality soccer players and i get it that not everyone can make the national team but when you've got that depth and we can now start looking at picking the right players and having that you know that right uh chemistry that's there then there's no reason in in my books that Canada should not be qualifying for a world cup each and every time and i truly believe that you know we've always heard in the past oh it's always mexico and and us, US. and perhaps costa rica and and canada would always be like we're kind of in that mix of five or six and we don't even know if we'll qualify and i'm there saying to to every to everyone i'm like that should not be the bar that we should be raising here we should be putting pressure on these players we should be setting those expectations just like how we're seeing this current canadian team to have that swagger that we should be always in the top three now where we are in that top three we really don't care right in, in my books mm-hmm. just get us to the promised land and i always feel that we can get to the promised land. If we get our ducks in order and I think this is, you know, indicative of what we're seeing right now that when you've got um, a group of players who are selected, you've got um, the right coach in the chemistry and everyone is tuned in and checked in that this shouldn't just be now. This should always be the case. And so we should always be hearing in my books that every World Cup, it should be a dog race between Canada, USA and Mexico Every single time, there's just no excuse and no, you know, there should never be an excuse for that, you know, or to to make some type of an excuse as to why Canada is not qualifying. These countries like USA and Mexico, they're under extreme pressure to qualify for the World Cup. You know, USA did not make the last World Cup, you know, and so they want to make sure they're in this. You know, Mexico is not used to being third and looking up. You know, they're usually looking down at everyone. So they've got a lot of pressure. But because they've got that pressure, they want to make sure that they get to the dance. And if they don't get to the dance, then, you know, jobs are going to be lost there. So I, I see no reason to even have those high expectations here. Put the pressure on the players. Put those, set those high expectations and, you know, and I think our players will, will strive, you know, thrive in those types of, um, conditions. You know, if you raise the bar low, we're only going to be thinking low and the fans are going to be thinking low. And even the, the common sports person who really doesn't follow soccer is just going to say, ah, yeah, well, eh, what did you expect? We're, we're just, we're, we're not a soccer nation. Mm -hmm. If we start to create that mentality that we are, a soccer nation yes we are a hockey nation but if we start to create that atmosphere of we got some pretty damn good soccer players in this country and we can make the world cup every single time then i think that that feeds it feeds into it and and that uh, and i think that's what we're seeing right now you know and it's great to see
0: absolutely and just to tack on to what you said because i i i love hearing that i it it reminds me firstly of my own experience coming from Australia, but also canada has so much untapped potential in my in my opinion in terms of football or soccer forgive me if i say football by the way it's just no of course not of course um that's there's so much untapped potential in terms of players talent now you got the cpl so that'll help to create a pipeline but over the years as, as an observer from afar there's a number of great players who could have played for Canada. I'm talking about Owen Hargreaves, Thomas Straczynski. I feel like nowadays those kind of players will think twice before they turn their back on Canada. Would you agree?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the, and the difficult part back then, and, and I was a part of, you know, those teams where in the past it it was a lot different because again uh, we weren't well, I mean, at the time when I was on the team, we were ranked uh, uh, before this team uh, beat us. We were we were ranked uh, 40th in in uh, in the world in the FIFA ranking. So I was a part of the team that had the, that highest ranking. But mm-hmm. traditionally, our Canadian team has never really been highly ranked. So when you're not highly ranked, sometimes uh, and especially back then, you know, we were in a generation where. The social media wasn't around, the internet really wasn't around, you know, so to know about the the leagues that were overseas, you really were just watching the occasional soccer station on, you know, soccer Saturday, on a, on a Saturday morning, or you'd be listening uh, or reading this stuff uh, through the radio or through uh, the newspapers. So trying to get across to Europe was a challenge in itself. And because we were not highly ranked and we weren't looked at, were looked at as a soccer nation, trying to get there was very, very difficult. And you weren't really given that respect. Even if you were a very good player, you, you still were not looked at in the same manner. So when, it, when it came to that situation, when the Canadian player actually landed something overseas, it was really tough to try to get them to come back and play for Canada for the most part. Not, not always, but, you know, there were times where we knew as, as players that, you know, some, some guys may not come back for, you know, for a, a friendly international or maybe for a, a highly competitive game because we knew where, what they were going through, that yep. their, their journey and their pathway to get to Europe was a challenging one. And now they finally have made their mark in Europe and they're you know they found a you know a first team spot and they're they're getting games and they're doing well and then all of a sudden they're plucked away to come down to play uh you know an international friendly for Canada or even in, in a competitive match that maybe perhaps when they got back to Europe they might not find themselves back in the starting role. So players had to make some pretty tough decisions about whether they even selected Playing for the national team or trying to just stay in Europe, yeah, you know, and we understood where they're coming from, and so sometimes we all we would have a little bit of that that uh, animosity and, and that bitterness sometimes because some players were like, "Hey, I came across the channel to come and play. Why can't this guy do it?" And so right off the bat, you would have a little bit of that bitterness. And, you know, for me, I, as a player, I never got wrapped up in all that stuff. You know, I was just, I was always happy to represent my country. And, and I was the type that if I was overseas in that situation and I was called upon, I would look to come down and play for my country. But I, I would never fault the player for the decision that they made. And I know other guys have had those tough decisions. And we've even had young players, as you touched upon, you know, you know, our system is not perfect and it's not perfect in any country. And I think that, you know, our country really did take a hard hit because we weren't highly ranked at that time. And then all of a sudden you're seeing players like Hargreaves who gets cut, you know, Mm -hmm. at a provincial level in alberta and you've got players like uh you know jonathan de guzman and julian de guzman you know they were young kids and you know they went to you know went overseas when they were like 11 12 13 years of age right and you know julian ended up playing for for our national team but his brother didn't right and at that time it would have been great for him to come and play for canada but at the same token I, I don't fault them either when when you've made a mark and your pathway has taken you to a different journey and all of a sudden you've got the Netherlands like a powerhouse nation like that who's asking you to play it can be a tough decision but at some for for some of these guys it's also uh, a no-brainer that maybe that is the right decision so it, it is tough nowadays with the way we are it, it's great seeing these players seeing the opportunity that they have and where we're at, that they're wanting to come back and play for this nation. And and this is what we're talking about. When things are going great, you're highly ranked, you're getting that respect, you're going to want to be a part of something that's very special. And I think that's what these players are doing right now, that they're looking to come back and want to play for the, the national team. And, and and that's it's a great thing to see.
0: Absolutely. And I think one thing that Our listeners may not be aware of is that with some competitions, particularly the English Premier League, or actually just playing in England in general, the world ranking of the national team does actually factor in, in terms of issuing of uh, permits and being able to play in in this country. So that, yeah, I definitely get what you're saying there. Now, one thing that's always interested me, and and Cove, you can chime in if you want here. Sure. What is the identity of Canadian football? Because just to touch on... The Australian experience. Australia is perceived as a physical team uh, historically. Like we, we work hard, we're a bit physical. Ghana, which is my other heritage, is seen as creative on the ball. Um, but what is the Canadian identity of football? I,
2: I think uh, right now the Canadian identity, I don't know. I, I think that uh, the team right now is, is just demonstrating that that resilience, that uh, they're not going to be pushed around. They are they are playing very good quality football. I mean, the, mm. the, in the past, I, I think it's safe to say that we were a, a team that played direct soccer. We, we played that so-called English style uh, mm-hmm. of soccer, very direct, get the ball, look to get it up the field and pressure other, other teams because, you know, if we tried to play with them, you know, that was not our game. And we could probably get ourselves into a lot of trouble uh, trying to play a very stylish uh, type of game. If, if and, I can, if I
1: can interject a bit there, Tommy. Yeah, I think if you go back as, as far back as the Leonard Ducci days, I, I would say we played more of an Italian style of soccer. I thought we played a very
2: defensive
1: style of soccer. There, the the, it
2: was. It's it's always been kind of like that uh, defensive style, exactly. So Where. Yeah. We we wanted to make sure that you know we 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 had the numbers back that we weren't going to be out of position, and so that we would allow teams to kind of come to us, and that we would absorb that pressure. The only problem yeah. is is that the the time of possession is is swaying so heavily on the uh, the opposing team side is that you know eventually something is going to to give right. And then once that first goal goes in, then, then what do you do tactically? If you, you, if you try to play defensive, then sure, you, you may still lose two or three nil. But, you know, if you make that decision that we're down one nil and, and we need to do something else because we need to get back in this game and you try to open it up, well, then all of a sudden you're starting to open up a can of worms yeah. and then it, it could be a, a, a much uh, heavier score. I think that this team here, and and I'd love to focus on this team that we're speaking of right now. When you're watching this team play and and you try to draw that parallel to some of our past teams, and again, we've had some very good quality players in the past, mm-hmm. but when you would just watch on TV and watch the flow of the game and the way the players are, are moving the ball around, the way they're passing the ball, back then it just looked disjointed. You know, you would look at the opposing team and you'd be like, now that's soccer, and then you'd look at our Canadian team and it's like, it looks good. And then it looks also awful at times. Mm-hmm. And it just looked disjointed all over the pitch. When you're looking at this team now, it's, it, you really cannot say at all, you know, with a straight face that our Canadian team looks like they are just outclassed out there and it doesn't matter who they play and and forget about the teams in CONCACAF you know they played some other uh, competitions where they are just the way that they're playing and the style of ball that they're playing it just looks like they actually belong on the field and Mm -hmm. that they're going to be competitive throughout so it's it's going to be great to see you know that once this team gets over this hurdle I mean, barring a, a catastrophic collapse, you know, this team will qualify for Qatar, that it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, during the summer months and, and leading up to the World Cup, you know, this team will, because of their ranking, they will warrant to have, you know, some very good competition in terms of some exhibition games mm-hmm. and, and to play some stiffer stiffer teams, where, again, I, I just think the way that this team is playing and and the style and the brand that they have that it's very entertaining soccer. And, and you know, for, for even for me as, as a former player, I'm looking at the game on TV saying, wow, like these guys are playing attractive soccer. And I think it's just making everyone uh, very happy and proud of, of what we're seeing at this moment.
1: Well, I love what we're seeing from the team right now, to be entirely honest with you. And yes. It's, it's a very opportunistic style that they play. If, if there's a hole anywhere they immediately look to exploit it. Yeah. Whereas before we would play, I think we used to play to not lose too bad. You know what I mean? Yes. It's yes. like if we lost one, nothing, that was a moral victory, mm-hmm. right? It's, yeah. it, that's just the kind of soccer that we used to play. And now it's, it's a much more attacking game. I don't even think the time of possession is that important. We can have less time of possession, but have more time in the opposing zone. Mm -hmm. I just love the way they're playing right now. It's exciting to watch. And I I think it's something that can catch Canadians. But what I wanted to ask you was how important, because you had kind of mentioned the whole, the, the issue we had with players going overseas and then not wanting to come back to play for the Canadian team because of the issues they were having going back and forth and such. But how important is it for MLS to be a success here in Canada for our international squad to continue to improve?
2: Well, it's it's always been a, a very important thing for the Canadian team to try to get our Canadian players playing at at the highest levels possible. So whether it's in Europe and in this case, you know, the MLS, it, it is still our you know our breeding ground as well for for the Canadian players. And it, it doesn't need to be that you, you're playing for Vancouver or Montreal or TFC. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that you're just playing in the MLS. And and playing with uh, with the side is is good enough. You know, not everyone can play in Europe. Not everyone can make it in Europe. And again, you know, even when you look at the success of this current Canadian team, the journey and pathway for all of these Canadian players are going to take different rounds. You know, and and we've even seen it. You know, with uh, Richie Larea, right? You know, he mm. he just made his mark with TFC a number of years ago. And, you know, and he's had to battle his way into a starting lineup with TFC. He's done well with TFC at that time. He makes his way onto the national team. And now he does well with the national team. And then this whole thing with the national team has just raised that interest in terms of him getting something overseas. And so, and I think that's something important for a lot of the soccer fans. And, And even those parents out there who have their young kids. And they're looking at what's going to be my child's pathway to get to play for team Canada. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to go from the traditional way of I, I play youth soccer. I make a provincial team. I make the national team. And I, and then I, I work my way up the ladder to all the various national teams, similar to like what, what I went through nowadays you know, just because you didn't make the national team should not be a reason for you to say, well, I'm just going to pack it in and, and just like in the past, start making excuses about how Canadian soccer sucks. And, and then you give up on that hope. There's different journeys and pathways. You know, um, even when you look at someone, um, you know, like, like, uh, Tejan Buchanan, you know, Tejan, yes, was on the, the various youth national teams, but he also went through the NCAA route. Yeah. and and made his way back to the national team and look where he is now you know he's he's he signed a big contract with uh, club Bruges in Belgium so players are gonna find different avenues and different pathways to somehow make their you know make their mark uh to get back on the Canadian national team and so there's there's never anything that's etched in stone and I've had parents who've said to me well if my son just goes or daughter goes the NCAA route, does that mean that, you know, that's going to be the end of their career and they're not going to be looked at? And I'm like, absolutely not, because that's just another journey and pathway for them to maybe one day get to the national team. So it's, it's all about proving yourself and proving your worth, no matter where you're at, what league you're playing in. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to, to make your own destiny and how you do it whatever league you play in whatever uh, division you play in uh, you're you're going to have to rise to the occasion you're going to have to be that standout and it, even if it comes to the NCAA route you know you're you're hoping that you're going to be sought and and maybe drafted and again it doesn't have to be TFC it could be another MLS team and then by you getting into those squads afterwards playing regularly on these MLS teams, you could potentially find your way uh, onto the national team. So, you know, you could have a player who's never played for Canada at the youth l- levels and they're good enough to, let's say, get a scholarship, go through the back route, get into the MLS, and then they might find their way by the time they're 23, 24, making our national team because they have just proven their- themselves through a different pathway. Yeah. So, you know, it, there's just different avenues nowadays that um, that even in the past we've always had it. But I think that with the exposure, with everything uh, in terms of how this game has has grown, that you know, I think we've got so many different databases and and scouts nowadays to really look at these players across the board. And having said that, I think that's where even former national team players can be a part of this as well. Where just because you know guys are. Coaching at academies, or, you know, they, they may be, um, you know, not really highly involved in it or heavily involved in the game that, you know, if they do see some player that raises their eyebrow, that maybe they should, they should just get in touch with someone from Canadian soccer and say, Hey, there's this Canadian kid that I saw here. And I think we need to take a real good look at this kid because um, you know, when those players who have been there and played at those levels and they understand what it takes to get there, that sometimes, you know, you need to having those extra bodies and extra eyes uh, does a a world of wonder.
1: Yeah, for sure. Especially nowadays because the world's become smaller and you can recruit from pretty much anywhere.
2: That's right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And, It's interesting that you uh, talk about many pathways to the same goal because we recently spoke to a a Canadian youth international, she's, she played for the under-17s, Maya Uh Ladaney.
2: She
0: she went through the NCAA route initially with West Virginia, but she's now playing in Denmark because she believes that that's going to be better for her career. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting to see that the different pathways are starting to manifest themselves in North America.
2: It definitely is, Yeah.
1: This episode is brought to you by the good folks at New Smile. Just use the code PROSPORTS to get $150 off any of their teeth aligning kits. So turn up the dial on your smile with New Smile. Now on to the show.
0: Just staying with the, the youth teams, you, you played in the World Championships in Scotland, the under-16s. I know it wasn't a great tournament for Canada, but that must have been a great experience for yourself, right, as a player?
2: Well, it was. Um, it was a It was a great experience you know we 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 had some unfortunate luck going into the tournament we we had our team captain broke his uh his uh, leg just before the tournament and then our our starting right back ended up breaking his ankle the very last game and so when you've got two key guys being out of the lineup it, it really put a damper on on the squad but um it, it was it was still a very good tournament uh for myself you know, having that uh, exposure and that recognition, uh, the game against China. You know, in in every game that they had, they had they had selected a, an MVP of the match for each team. And so on on that game against China, I was selected by Pelé as the the Canadian MVP in that match. So awesome! It, it was great to to have that experience. And even after the tournament, there was uh, interest from some some of the Scottish clubs uh, afterwards. You know, I remember Gary Miller had spoken to me on the on the, on the way home, the flight home, saying that, you know, there's, uh, you know, Dundee and and Dundee United and Motherwell who were uh, interested in me at that time. So, you know, when you get into these tournaments, you're going to have clubs um, who are who are going to have some form of interest in you. Um, so it, it does bring those exposures for you, definitely.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I mean, that tournament, I believe Luis Figo was there and you came up against the what would become the golden generation for Nigeria. The that many players, including Victor Paber, who went on to win that gold medal in Atlanta. Yeah. What was your take on going up against them?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, again great experiences. You know, especially the Nigerian team. You know, because two years prior, Canada hosted the under sixteen World Cup, and Nigeria had gotten to the final and lost to the soviet union and here we were two years later and some of those players on that nigerian team had actually played in that tournament they were like young bucks uh, playing in canada and then here we were now facing some of these players and and some of the up-and-coming stars uh, that you mentioned on that nigerian team we, we lost the game if i'm not mistaken i think it was four nil but we were we were right in the game for the for the first little while and you know a defensive uh breakdown and then you know they they scored on us and then uh they really ended up uh you know opening up the floodgates uh in the late stages of the game but we were competing against them and i still remember we, we had this breakaway early on in the game in the first 20 minutes of the game it was nil nil um the defender had coughed up the, the ball our, our striker was all alone in a breakaway and hit it right at the goalkeeper's hands and it was it was it was kind of a, a you know a backbreaker for us because i think had we gone up 1-0 we could have changed the uh, the complexion of that game and then against china we we lost 1-0 but we were right there we we had chances we hit the crossbar and we had uh, many opportunities and then our last game was against argentina and we were we really were outclassed that in in that match i think we lost the game 4-1 but um, they were they were again a very strong side, uh, but yes, playing some of those top youth teams uh, back in those days, um, it was a great experience to be a part of. And and we ended up uh, actually meeting uh, Figo and that uh, Portuguese generational team. And little did we know, too, as Canadian players, like who these guys were. You know, we were told that this Portuguese team was going to be the next up and coming superstar team for years and years to come not just in that generation but uh, moving ahead what we saw in those uh, various world cups that was a product of that team from that under 16 world cup so it, w- it was great to see
0: yeah and you love to see that. i i know kobe likes watching tournaments like that and i liked watching these tournaments just to see the next crop of players coming through but i just want to touch on you mentioned the argentina game and that got me thinking because the Co America that's a competition where they they have the the ten con McBo teams, and then they usually invite one or two others to to help make it an even number
2: mm-hmm.
0: When are we going to see Canada get invited to the Co for America
2: yeah. well hopefully with this uh with the, with these impressive results here that we could potentially see something like that right um mm-hmm I think right now the, just for us as Canadian soccer fans, we are just dying and and yearning to try to get to that World Cup. That's just being in the top three. That's all we care about. You know, that, and honestly, that's, that's all I see is just get in the top three. And then worrying about one and two could obviously be something in, in the near future, but we are where we are right now, uh, being first in our group. Mm-hmm. And so, why not? I mean, we are five points away from winning that uh, first place. We're one point away from qualifying for the World Cup. So, why not? I mean, I think this is something that we should be looking at as a nation. Of you know, when we talk about opportunities and making the most of it, being in these situations is, is just going to help out the program. Where you're going to be looked at and respect that uh, respected in a in a in a different light in a different manner. So. Maybe if we win this, win this, you know, that we will get these invites and not just always again, you know, the powerhouses like Mexico and some other nations. Why not Canada? And, you know, and again, when it comes to exhibition games, I, I know that the rankings are not the be all and end all. No. You mentioned that at the top there that it is also important for players to try to land uh, spots overseas and part of that is not only the number of caps that you play but where you stand in the rankings also plays a huge part so I think that you know the the better that this Canadian team can get uh, in terms of the rankings that again they'll just have that level of respect where now all of a sudden, you know, if you if you start looking at, you know, some of the top 15 or 20 nations in the world, you know, you can look to start getting exhibition games against some of these traditional powerhouse South American teams mm-hmm. or, you know, even the teams that are in the top five. Why can't we play an exhibition game against, let's say, Italy or Spain or England or Portugal? Why not? You know, and so in the past, that probably would never have happened, you know, because Canada's 95 You know, so why, why is a team like England or Spain or Portugal going to even waste their time to play in a game like that? Unless they looked at that as a game, as, as a, as a fine tuner for them to, to just kind of, you know, thump the team by three, four, five goals. Mm -hmm. I I think now these teams will look at us and say, we can play a very meaningful game against a a country like Canada and why not? And again, we're, we're a country that these teams come here we will pack the stadiums you know it's 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 you know again it's really important it's really important for this program to stay where where we we've got this type of aura about us in CONCACAF and if we can stay up here in terms of the rankings and and have a main you know main place here of being in the top 30 and and pushing higher that you're going to get these meaningful games certainly
0: yeah and long may Continue. Hopefully, it it's not just a one off, but it's the start of something great.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah, you had mentioned earlier how we've had nations like Jamaica and Honduras get in and represent themselves in the World Cup. And now it's time for us to get there as well. But I, I don't see us on the same level as those kind of nations. I actually expect us to get to Qatar and compete.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: I, I think we have an opportunity to maybe get past the group stage. Yeah. Not just show up and get hammered like some of, some of these other nations do, right? Yes. Yeah. And I, I think we have that kind of team. And that's why I think you're right about playing some of these better nations and friendlies because we get a chance to then show it and prepare for it before we get there. Yes. Because if you don't know what you're up against, it, it can be a problem.
2: It, uh, absolutely. And I think that once we know, um, you know, let, you know, if we know, who, you know obviously who we, we're drawing – Then I'm sure that the staff will look at trying to arrange meaningful games against countries of that similar style and nature, so that when they get to Qatar, they can uh, be you know you know very well prepared for it uh, in terms of the the quality and the type of style uh, of play that they're going to face. But I I agree with you. Like you know, we're we're at the stage now where we're at a World Cup or we're just about to be at a world cup, but let's just say we're, we're in Qatar, right? So we've qualified for Qatar. What's our next step? You know, for me, our next step is let's get that first goal, right? Our Canadian team has not scored a goal in a world cup. Mm-hmm. And I think once we can get that, uh, you know, monkey off our back with scoring that, that first goal in the world cup, I, I really believe that that could be something uh, for things to come in, in that tournament, you know, That first game, we can, we can, uh, you know, get a, you know, a positive result, get that first goal. I think that the way that this team is, it will just draw that emotion, um, finally get that hurdle off of us and then, and, and look forward now. You know, the goal is behind us now. It's nothing there that's going to haunt us anymore. We've been there, done it now. And now let's look at producing some results. So I, I really think that this tournament could be, you know, the catalyst for for what's what's to come. And I and I think that if we can get that first goal off of our off of our backs really early in that tournament, I, I with the team that we have, I, I think that uh, we can we could we could get out of that group stage.
1: Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way when it comes to that. You're right. You can Get the monkey off our back and actually get that first goal and get some positivity. That being said, who's your pick in
2: Qatar? Oh wow, um, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm still liking France, probably. Okay, I know there's always been the high expectations with Belgium. Um, you know, I, I'm still not sold on on the Belgium team. You know they've mm-hmm. they've always had those high expectations, and they just seem to always falter. Um, so I'm not sure about them. You know, I like the English side. You know, I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, after what they showed in that, uh, you know, in the Euro, uh, they've got a good crop of young players uh, with some good veterans there. They're going to be a team, I think, to, to look out for as well. But I, I would probably, I, I've always liked Spain, uh, their style of soccer. But I, I'm still, I, I, th- I think I'm still going to lean towards probably France. I, I think I'm going to lean towards them.
1: Okay, no, it's a smart pick. I also think it's a it's a short it's a small window for them too. Yes, I think that generation is coming to an end, so they they need to win now, or, or maybe not win. Period.
2: That's right, <laughs> and I and I think it's even for that Belgium team too. They've had so many high expectations and promise that you know if, if they don't do it here, then I don't think they're going to do it uh, at all because uh, that generational of players is is also uh aging and and uh you know four years from now i, I don't see belgium being right up there to be a, a heavily uh favorite team
1: true true i like that you mentioned england that's going to make our british fans happy that's for sure
2: well you know that that team was uh, such an exciting team to watch during the tournament and it was unfortunate uh you know that a team had to lose like that but you know um i, I was really impressed with italy but you know who knows what's going to happen here. You know we know that Italy or Portugal is not going to make this World Cup, right? That's so right. It's, uh, it's 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 going to be really tough to to kind of see that, you know. But um, you know I think that's what makes this tournament uh, that much more appealing and interesting. That you, you know you're going to have uh, from time to time some of these um, powerful nations not uh, make the tournament.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's for sure. That's the beauty of it, and. Just on Belgium, I, I think their chance was last tournament in 2018. They made the semi-finals. Like they were close, but I think that uh, it's unlikely we're going to see Thomas Van Marlen there. Jan Vertonghen is he's well advanced, and that's where it starts for me defensively. I think they they are going to have issues replacing those two centre backs. So while they have Kevin De Bruyne and they have Romelu Lukaku up top. If they can't keep the ball out of the back of the net, that's going to be very problematic for them.
2: And that's always been a problem for them, right? It's you know they play a very entertaining brand of soccer, but they can't find themselves in these high-scoring games because, as you alluded to, their defense just seems to fail them uh, when it comes to the big games. And you know, as they always say, you know, you know, scoring goals will win you games, but defense will win you championships. And when you get to those later stages, you've got to have a very strong back four and and uh, a tight knit group there and um you know i think that's even when you look at the italian team where they've had this brand of soccer that we've traditionally have not seen uh you know in the past where they they've got these talented players and they just unleashed them at this at the euros and they were able to have that flair to go forward and score goals but italian soccer has always been you know, that staple mate where they were just always tough to score on defensively. And so when you had that combination, you know, it wasn't surprising to see why Italy did what they did. And if they can continue that path, um, you know, they could possibly, again, do some damage here in Qatar. But they they still got a, a way to go here and it's not going to be a, an, an easy route. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're always talking about Portugal, but, you know, Macedonia, North Macedonia is not going to be an easy team as well um uh, to, to challenge so it, it's a it's a little tough group there that they got and they're gonna have to find their way to get to qatar it's again you know we could see potentially a european champion not being in this world cup like how crazy is that, that that's nuts <laughs> yeah
0: this is the new world order new world yes. footballing <laughs> order. <laughs> but with, with, when it comes to england I, I think it's kind of appropriate that they, they lost some penalties. Um, no, I say I say that tongue in cheek because of the, the historical way that they have exited tournaments. But I do think they are in a good spot now. They made the semi finals in in the last World Cup. They nearly won the Euro at home. Yeah. This this is this is their window. And I wish them well. I just hope they don't call up Fikayo T- T- Tomori. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hope, I hope Canada, Canada can still get to him because you would be a welcome addition to the team.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Now, you've got quite a, f- a few badges. You've got coaching badges, scouting badges. What is some advice you'd pass on to young kids that want to get into the game and want to take it to the next level?
2: You know, it, it's a great question because I have, I've got, uh, you know, my, my little ones right now. My daughter's, you know, not, you know, nine going on to ten. My son's seven going on to eight. And I see it out there right now in in our soccer community, where uh, I think a lot of the parents what they need to understand is that again, we th- I mentioned this at, at the top. It, it's it's a journey, right? It really is a journey, and we should not get caught up in just the 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 moment uh, per se, right? So you know, your your son is a very good player, or your daughter's a very good player now, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a, you know a standout player when they get to 16, 17 and 18 years of age. I, I've seen it myself uh, as a pure example with players that I played for uh, played with and against in the past where you know you're, you're always going to have those players who r- rise to the top right from day one and they' they're the star players when they're u8. And they continue to be the star players by the time they they get to U17 and U18. And then when you hear them playing professionally or internationally, you know, a lot of those people will be like, it's not a surprise. I I saw that coming from a mile away. But what happens is you do see a lot of players where they they might be the star players at a young age, and then they start to fizzle by the time they get to 14 and 15. And then you've got players who are good to average, you know, and it's like, where did this kid come from? Right? So my advice to all parents is, you know, just enjoy the moment that you're having with your kids, try not to put so much pressure on them. You know, if they really want it, then that should be um, your catalyst to say, OK, then as a parent, I'm going to do what, you know, what I need, what it, what it takes to get them to the right channels, whether it's, you know, you know, different training programs or um, and teams and so on. But it, it really is. A, it, it's a journey. And, and within this journey, too, is you just never know what can come your way. Right. When it comes to injuries and so on. So you, you could have the perfect pathway. Everything is going great for you. And then injuries can also be a part of that, that can hinder your, your growth and development as well. As much as they could be a character builder for, for an athlete, it also could be, you know, a deterrence as well, because being away from the practice field and, and in those prime years when you should be out there on the field owning your skills that, you know, those setbacks can really put you a little bit behind. To where you're going to go and again it's a difficult pathway it's a challenging pathway Um there is no guarantee i uh, you know in in any sport that your kid is going to make it so really just take it with a grain of salt and in, just enjoy everything you know i i came from a background where my dad was a former uh semi-professional player professional player he played for toronto city uh back in the days with sir stanley matthews and johnny blanchflower and he was the top goal scorer, you know, in, in the men's NSL leagues back in the days. And, you know, and, and I had so many people who told me that your dad was that good that if he never came across to live here in Canada, that he could have played on, on a very big team, you know, in Europe. And my dad was the type where he was tough on me, you know, he was, he was the tough love, you know, the, where, you know, if you played well, he would um, always be the type where he would praise you, but he would always kind of say, but you could have had this, or you could have had more. <laughs> So, and he, and he was the type where sometimes, you know, those drive homes were not the most pleasant drive homes. Nowadays we frown upon all that stuff. And, you know, and I've learned from that as well. You know, one might say that that's tough and that can toughen a kid, but it all depends on the kid and it, it really depends on their personality. And, and there's times where, you know, I watch my son or daughter play and, you know, and I, and I have to bite my tongue and, you know, and I, and I stay there and I say, you know what? As long as they have a smile on their face after the games and they're, and they're just happy to be out there, I don't want to do anything whatsoever that's going to try to drown that experience from them. And, and maybe one day they, they, they tell me by age 14 or 15 that they've had enough of the game, right? Um, so I certainly don't want to take that experience, uh, away from them and, and want it to be something that's enjoyable. So I think that's the takeaway that I would be with parents is, just to, you know, allow your kids to enjoy the game. The three things that have been always my main staple with my kids is three things that I've ingrained in them: is listen to your coaches, always try your best, and just have fun out there. And I think if they if they do that, then they'll be fine. I I always believe that I uh, you know yes, as much as I you know I've played at the levels I've played, I I also believe that. The instruction should not be coming from the parents who are on the sidelines as much as they might know. Some, some don't know and some do know, but just allow the coaches and allow the referees and and allow those people who are in charge to give the instruction. As long as they are giving the right instruction of how to play the game, the kids will grow and they'll learn and they'll gravitate towards it. And it's just a part of their process. And as they move along that, um, you know, they'll, they'll learn the game. You know, and, you know, and then for me as a parent, I'll just be there, uh, because of my experience to kind of just, you know, do the fine tuning when it comes to that time. But in terms of the actual game itself, it just allow them to, to enjoy it. And, uh, and again, there's, there's no guarantees in, in this, in this game. Everything could be going right for a player and it, it doesn't take much for, for injuries or a bad experience to, to ruin it all. So. You know, I I just you know would just tell anyone just enjoy the moment and and if your son or daughter really wants it, they'll let you know. And then once they've given you that go ahead that this is what they want to do, then that's when as a parent you're like, okay, now I can put all my eggs in that one basket and go for it from there.
0: There we go. Now I know I, I feel like we could talk for hours, but I know we're running out <laughs> of time. <laughs> but just quickly before we get you out of here, I know you You mentioned injuries. I know you had a pretty serious injury while you were in Europe. How do you overcome the adversity of that?
2: It, it, it's It's tough, you know, and I, and I won't lie. you know there was there was times where I was in a depressive state because you've gone to the levels that you've gone to, and there's been so much talk and praise about your potential. And then all of a sudden, the injuries start to to come around it does have an effect on you. And then when you start to see players who were, again, coming through the ranks in Canadian soccer, who were good players, but, you know, from a personal standpoint, you know, I would say to myself, they just weren't as good as me, but they ended up hurling past me because instead of being out there on the playing field, you know, I'm doing rehab or I'm on the operating tables and, even even when i scored the the uh, the four goals for the canadian men's national team uh, at that time i already had uh, an acl reconstruction and i think i was on the operating table about two or three times on top of the acl reconstruction but it was right after that time where just when everything was just going right for me and things were looking so so bright for me is is when the injury bug happened and, and I was a player who never got injured when I was, when I was young. And then all of a sudden it, it just, it just happened all at once. And it was, it was a really tough moment for me. You know, I got to miss so, so many rounds of World Cup qualifications, you know, final rounds of Olympic qualifying. Here I am, you know, in a situation where, you know, had I stayed healthy, you know, I, I could have very well have played 80, 90 international games um, you know I, I I look back at at all the potential international games that I had it was well over like 100 and I think I counted it was like 110 or 115 potential international games I could have been in now it doesn't mean I would have played in all of those games in terms of call-ups but had I stayed healthy I could have been you know easily 50 60 70 games into it and, um, you know, and so when you look back, you're like, wow, you know, all of this has an impact in terms of uh, your legacy, right? You know, in terms of, you know, you could have been in a situation where you were a shoe in for the Soccer Hall of Fame, and then all of a sudden, you're kind of trying to fight to get your way in there. Or, you know, even though you've got an impressive resume, it could have been that much more impressive By being in many more international matches, being a part of so many more World Cup qualifying, uh, games. And even when you look at some of our, you know, our previous Olympic teams, um, when we were trying to qualify for Atlanta and I was a part of the Barcelona team as well, missing those final rounds, you're always there saying to yourself, But what if, what if I was there, you know, um, when we were looking at that team trying to qualify for the Atlanta games, I was out with a, with a torn ACL, Thomas Rosinski had just broken his leg. And so here you have two players who are on the men's national team who are now not a part of the under 23 Olympic qualification. So, and that team was that close to qualifying for Atlanta. Uh, They, they didn't get the first spot uh, qualifying if, if you recall, the qualification was here in Canada, and we missed out by having the, fi- the the one spot. Mexico beat us, but that put Canada to to go face Australia afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up losing to Australia in that final round or bracket to try to get into Atlanta. So mm-hmm. as a player, you're there saying, geez, you know, had we been there, maybe we would have qualified on that first first round and knocked out Mexico, and we would never have gone through the route of, of facing Australia. So, you know, these injuries, yeah, did, did hamper my, my development and, and especially in terms of earnings and, and, uh, and a long international playing career with Canada. It really hurt me because, you know, I, there were some quality players that I, I looked forward to playing with in the future. You know, I came in a generation where, you know, the likes of Bunbury and Craig Forrest, and Randy Samuel, you know, they were making their way out of the Canadian team at that point. They were retiring. But we had the players like Rosinski. And then, um, you know, I missed the Gold Cup, you know, that Miracle on Grass team. So my injuries, again, prevented me from being a part of that team. And again, moving forward, being uh, on on teams with the likes of Dwayne Rosario and Paul Stolteri and Julian de Guzman you know, the list just goes on and on, right? So I missed a lot of those uh, those moments to be a part of those national teams and being a part of those squads, which um, would have been a great moment to be a part of. But unfortunately, the injuries, you know, hampered me and they, they didn't just hamper me from an international, uh, national team standpoint, but uh, obviously, you know, playing overseas for, for a long time.
0: Indeed. But um, at, at the same time, you were able to get cats to Canada, and that's something that p- people like Cobb and I we would dream of that. So I did yeah. dream
1: of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got to give you respect for that, absolutely. And there's yes, a lot of Australians right. always getting in the way, aren't they? Yeah, they always <laughs> seem to get
2: up in the way of the of Canada making it to a to an Olympic Games or a World Cup. You know, they they uh, they they prevented Canada from getting to uh, which one was it? It was for USA, it's USA, ninety four, yeah, yeah. ninety four. Yeah,
0: Canada lost in the shootout, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Mark Schwarzer. Yeah, yes. That was like his coming up party. And then <laughs> Australia, Australia's prize was facing uh, Argentina with a, a returned Maradona. So it was like, great, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so be it.
1: If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also
0: slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets dirt and other exclusive things that we will tweet
1: check us out at ppodcasters on twitter